Good morning, everyone. Great to see you on this um, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, look, can anybody explain to me what is it about fire that is so fascinating? I love fire. I love watching flames. A few years ago, we went on a driving holiday around central Queensland. And when we were in Longreach, we went on a sunset cruise on the Thompson River. How many of you have done that? <laughs> Isn't it good? Following the cruise, you get a campfire dinner on the side with a bush poet. And I just sat there with my camera and took photos of the fire because I'm just mesmerized. Look, I could still keep looking and looking. Um, these few photos are about 10% of what I actually took. I was mesmerized. Do you love the Olympics? One of the great things about the Olympics is wondering how are they going to light the cauldron in the opening ceremony? It's pretty special, isn't it? Look, there's three that I've uh, edited and put together that, uh, that I, quite, I quite like. Have a, have a look at these. Do you remember this one? Barcelona, 1992. Watch this. up around her and eventually went up the slope to the top. Do you remember there was a little delay? And this is London in 2012 where all these trumpets were lit and then they rose up and became one to make the cauldron. How about that? I sped that bit up. What is it about fire? You know, when, when I was a kid, um, my dad built a barbecue in the back corner of the yard, uh, like a real barbecue, and uh, I just used to go up and play in the flames because <laughs> I, I loved it. Fire. Now you're all worried about me, aren't you? <laughs> She's not coming to my house in winter. <laughs> <laughs> God, though, is often associated with fire, isn't he? The phrase, our God is a consuming fire, is in Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 9, Isaiah 33, Hebrews 12. In Exodus 3, how did the Lord appear to Moses? In a burning bush. And during the hail plague on Egypt, the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire. The Lord was with the Hebrews throughout the Exodus journey in a pillar of fire by night. In Exodus 19, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. I could keep going. The power of fire is an understandable association with who God is. When the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw 
what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is mind-blowing stuff. Mind-blowing stuff. The power of God is evident. But do you know what? I think we should not get caught up in the spectacular. We need to ask, what is God doing here? Surely it's not in his nature to just exhibit a bit of power every now and then and amaze people. That's not who God is. What is he doing? What does he want to achieve? So I want to look at this amazing event of Pentecost today and think about it in terms of what it means for community. What does it mean for community? And the reason that I do that is because I am coming to the conclusion that Pentecost isn't actually about the Holy Spirit. You want to show me the door? (laughs) I think Pentecost isn't actually about the Holy Spirit. It's about God's people and what God wants for his people. God wants community. God is all about community. Yes, we may be saved as individuals, but we're also saved as a community and we are saved into community. That's why it's so good to come here together, isn't it? We often think about Pentecost and go back to Genesis 11 and what happened at Babel. And I think that's a good thing to do. In Genesis 11, the people all had one language and a common speech, but they got a bit ahead of themselves and decided to show their power. So they built this great tower. Their pride made them do it because they wanted to reach God and be like God. So God brought judgment on that. But but further back, as I think about what happened at the beginning of Genesis, humanity was the pinnacle of God's creation, wasn't it? Remember at the end of that day, God said, it was very good. Everything else in the world was good. But when God made human beings, it was very good. Then in Genesis 3 at the fall, when Adam and Eve, were diso- they disobeyed God, their judgment was expulsion from the garden. Their sin was a breaking of that very personal relationship with God. In the next chapters, of course, things continue to go badly. It wasn't just Adam and Eve. Cain and Abel in chapter 4, the great wickedness of the human race in chapter 6, which actually leads God to regret that he'd created humanity. And we have the flood story with Noah in, Gen- in, cha- in chapters 7, 8, and 9. Then following the flood, as the generations of Noah began to grow and expand, we come to Genesis 11. Still bad news. The Tower of Babel, when this whole community rebelled against God, God brought judgment on the community and they were banished by being scattered and their language, their one language, being separated. 
That was a whole community relationship with God that was finished. Adam and Eve was a personal judgment. At Babel, it was a community judgment. Their language would be confused, which would inhibit community, doesn't it? And not only inhibit community by their language, but because they were spread across the world. That was a judgment on a whole people. And what we see in the rest of the Bible is God's great desire to rebuild a community of faith. That's what the Bible is all about. Anyone who has travelled, and that's not been many of us recently, has it? But think back in the dim, dark depths of your memory when you used to travel. Anyone who's travelled knows that the diversity of languages around the world is not a blessing. It's pretty difficult, isn't it, when you travel to a country and you can't speak the language and people don't know what you're saying. It's not exactly a blessing. Well, God marked the arrival of his spirit with a temporary reversal of the curse of Babel. Everyone was able to hear the good news about Jesus in their own language. And we know from Acts 1 that God wanted his followers to spread his message all around the world. And we saw that in just our recent series that we finished last week as we looked at what the apostles were able to do as they spoke about the resurrection of Jesus. Communicating with those who spoke different languages would be only one of the many hurdles that the believers would have to overcome. The Holy Spirit had been promised to help them meet the challenge God wants a people for himself and following Babel, he sets about the path and story of redemption and relationship and community. If you haven't got a Bible open in front of you yet, open it to Acts 2. The story of this particular day of Pentecost, it's page 1091 in the Pew Bibles. The story of this particular day of Pentecost following The resurrection and ascension of Jesus begins with the words, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. All together in one place. The community of people Jesus had formed were together when God was going to do this next great thing. And verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And in the community around them, all the people heard in their own language what was being spoken. Miraculous. There is nothing more likely to build community than for there to be effective communication. Effective communication will build community. And God's desire was being fulfilled through the coming of the Holy Spirit upon his people. What does the Holy Spirit do? He equips and empowers and enables community. Peter sees it as a fulfillment of the prophecy to Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is all about building a community of faith. And our reading from Romans 8 brings this to the fore as well. It's saying the same thing, only using the language of family. 
For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. One of the privileges of being a child of God, of being in God's family, is that the Spirit enables us to cry, Abba, Father. And Abba means Daddy. What wonderful, intimate community. Back to Acts chapter 2, though. We didn't read far enough, did we? How can you stop in the middle of Acts chapter 2? You've got to get to the end. But just briefly, look at what happens as God's Holy Spirit works, not just in the hearts of Peter and the other disciples, but also in the hearts of the hearers. They're cut to the heart. Verse 37, they ask, what shall we do? And the answer is, repent and be baptised. And that's what happens. People's minds were changed. They accepted that Jesus was the Lord, the Son of God. They turned to Christ in their thousands. And it continued as the days went on. As more and more people share their new faith, (coughs) their new understanding with others. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What a great way to end that chapter. What a great way. God, through the work of the Holy Spirit in his disciples, was building a new community, his new community. The Holy Spirit begins to shape them into a true representation of God's people, the community they were meant to be. They begin to meet together, to pray to learn from the apostles, to remember Christ's death and resurrection through celebrating the Lord's Supper together and to pray with one another. As they met together, as they worshipped the risen Christ, wonderful things began to happen. Verse 43 tells us that many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles and there was a great outflow of generosity true fellowship with one another as those who have possessions sold them to support those who had nothing. The way the early church lived there that we see described in Acts 2 is exactly the way the nation of Israel was meant to be. They're a community centred around the worship of God and of his son, Jesus Christ. They're a community where the bonds of fellowship are real where no one goes hungry because their brothers and sisters look after them. And they're a community where the glory of God is revealed to the nations in a way that makes those nations want to come and join God's people. They're a community that lives to love and proclaim Jesus. How about that? (laughs) But we all need to realise that that early church community that we're reading about in Acts 2 is the same community we belong to now, exactly the same community that we are meeting with here today. We are the same church that began on Pentecost all those years ago. We have the same Holy Spirit living in us, equipping, empowering, enabling us. That same Holy Spirit inspiring each one of us to carry out the works of ministry that he has for us to do. And like that early church, 
we too should be reflecting the sort of community that God desires for his people. We too should be a community that's centred around the worship of God and of his son, Jesus Christ. We too are to be a community that cares for one another in practical ways, that lifts up the weak, that shares our resources with one another in meaningful ways. We too can be a community in which God's glory is seen and where people hear God's call to turn back to him. Is that the kind of community you want to belong to? You do. You do. And you know what more we can do or what we can keep doing more of? We can keep developing friendships with non-Christians. Be a friend. Be a good friend. We can pray for those non-Christian friends and we can talk about our faith with our friends. And be encouraged by what we see here in Acts 2. Because as we share our faith in a natural way, it's not us who does the convincing. God's Holy Spirit is the one who will touch people's hearts. He will enable us to get through the barriers, the language barrier, the culture barrier, even those barriers that might exist within our own circle of friends perhaps or the barriers that exist in our own family. God will help to break those down by the work of the Holy Spirit so that people will respond to Christ as Lord. You see, the Spirit has this dual function here. He not only empowers the disciples, but he also converts the listeners. And if you're still not convinced about whether you can do this, have a look at verse 39. The promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. The Spirit is poured out on everyone. The Spirit will give us the words to say. The Spirit will change people's hearts if only we'll trust him to work in and through us. So brothers and sisters in Christ, let's pray that this Holy Spirit would continue to build God's community, God's family, and that he will empower and inspire us as he did those disciples on that day. Amen.